offense. And um, one of the, the things that uh, I've tried to do through the years um, is to be, uh, this was something that when my kids were younger, that I wouldn't use them in a sermon illustration unless I would pay them. So anytime I use their name, because this is, preachers get in trouble all the time for doing this. You know, they, their kids resent ministry because uh, there were sermon illustrations all the time, right? And so I, I, so what I did was I just paid them, okay? I'm going to give you some royalties here. And uh, so for every time I use your name, it only works for my kids, by the way. But every time I use your name, it's, uh, it, it, it doesn't work for nieces and nephews either, Rochelle. And uh, so... So I'll give you $5. And so then the church caught on. And so I never could even sneak a name. Like sometime I might sneak a name in. And then before I got home, if the kids were away, someone, somebody had texted one of my kids, hey, you owe me five bucks. They said, you said my name. And then I had to change the rules. I had to say, no, must be present to win. And, uh, you know, th those kind of things. And, and so, uh, but anyway, one of the things that I have, uh, you know, been, having been here at Lighthouse for it'll be 30 years in January, one of the things that I don't get to do because I stay in one place is I can't tell the same story over and over and over again. Some of these guys, they go away, you know, and, or they, they, they transfer churches every five years or whatever. They tell their whole life story again. Y'all have already heard it. What can I do? Feel bad for me just for a little bit, will you? Okay. So I, I, I'm going to use my own, my own uh, offense illustrations, but they go way back, and, uh, and I've made it through, and I can live on the other side of it now and, and tell some stories, and so the names were changed to protect the innocent. And um, No, so, so, you know, you and I always have opportunity to be offended, right? Anybody ever been offended by the church? Okay, it's, we haven't let out yet, so you still have time. There's still time. There's still time. <laughs> then thou canst not be offended. So uh, probably like 31 years ago, uh, when we were, uh, Holly and I were at Valley Forge, we weren't married yet, single students, we were engaged, and uh, the college was a small campus, probably about 500 students, and even fewer of those were seniors, and so we were seniors, we had made it through, right? So uh, probably a couple of hundred of them were freshmen, and then it pairs down, pairs down, and then there's this little small pocket of us that are seniors getting ready to graduate. And there was a, a senior uh, uh, a recognition day. Uh, that they planned for chapel, and uh, and I had worked my way through college, had taken just one very small loan at the front end, uh, but most of my college was paid for, but I had a little bit of a school bill uh, left over, and I still had to go down to the office and work out the details on that kind of thing, but we were down to like maybe a month from graduation, and this senior uh, appreciation day was the day we would go, and, and they would call your name up, and everybody would be up there, and they'd clap for you and everything kind of like that, and, um, and so not to mention I was an RA, so I was over my whole floor. So it wasn't like I was hibernating. I was, I was around these guys all the time um, in and out of their rooms. They had some nasty rooms. Can I just tell you, they didn't clean very well. I had to help them, you know. And uh, so one, the, this one big morning, you know, we, they began to call names and they read right past my name and, uh, you know, as they were going down the list, you know. And so by the time they got into the F's and then the G's and then all the way down to the Z's and they passed me. And, uh, and I was like shocked. I was like, what is going on? 
you know. And, and it wasn't like, uh, it was a small enough setting that everybody kind of knew. Like maybe not everybody, but, but most people knew. And uh, so at the end, you know, they clapped. They said, okay, let's go to lunch. And, and I'm just sitting there and I'm flabbergasted. I'm like, you know, I'm probably, uh, you know, uh, all I probably like turned shades of white. I don't know. But anyway, I was, so I, I was like probably a dozen people asked me by the time I hit the door, what happened? How come they didn't call your name? Why didn't they call your name? Why didn't they call your name? And in that moment, you have all these little justifications in your head. Oh, man, it had to be that school bill. It had to be the office that I can't be called. I don't know. They haven't talked to me about graduation yet. We don't know. And, and so all of this kind of stuff. And finally, I mean, I was devastated. I go back to my room, and I'm, like, I'm, I'm, I'm a mess. I'm like, wow. My entire life was wrapped up in that four years. My family didn't come with me. They didn't show up for graduation. Another reason for offense. Um, all of these different things, you know, coming at me at that moment. Uh, why, why, you know, why is this happening? All this kind of stuff. I finally made my way to the office, you know, kind of ducked everybody along the way. Didn't want to talk to anybody. Got down there and said, hey, just wanted to know, you know, trying to inside be, I'm trying to be real cool on the outside. Inside, I'm like, ah, you know. And uh, was it because I had a, a balance that my name wasn't called today? Da -da -da. And they said, oh, no, this office doesn't talk to that office. It was never anything about that. And somebody just simply slipped over my name. It was already printed. They just slipped right over it. And in that moment, I saw this opportunity to get sucked into a trap of offense probably clearer, more clearly in that moment than I ever had seen before in my life. Jesus says in Luke chapter 17, uh, he says, it is impossible that offense will not come. It is impossible. You can't be drawing breath and offense not happen near you. you it's, it's going to come. You just have to get used to it. Touch your neighbor and say, get used to it. You know, now, now you and I have to realize this is part of life. It, when when uh, my uh, my spiritual father Scott Erickson used to say it this way, he said, "You got to have a thick skin and a soft heart." And uh, one of the things that I've learned through the years, just in working with people, is that uh, you know a lot of times we think people are thinking about us and they're thoughtful about us. They're not thinking about us. They're not thinking about, you know, oh, it was so thoughtful. They weren't really thoughtful. They weren't really thinking about you. You know, something happened, and, oh, that sounded bad, didn't it? Here I am on pastor appreciation saying people are not thoughtful. Understand that Jesus says, but woe to him through whom they do come. You and I need to make sure that we are not walking around in our world offending people, that we are not doing things. We need to be circumspect about our own lives, that we don't put ourselves in a position to become an offense or a stumbling block to people along the way, right? Because Jesus says it's, offense is going to happen, but don't be the person that it happens through. How many of you have met people that you, it looked like it was their job, it was their mission to be offensive? You know, you just oh, this is your this is your this is your uh, your character, right? This is your nature. This is who you are. You're that sitcom character that goes around and ticks everybody off. Jesus said, "Woe to him through whom they do come." Now, Second Timothy two twenty two. This is where we're going to be this morning. Flee the evil desires of youth. 
and pursue. Flee and pursue. These are, this is what Paul tells Timothy. Run away from the, the youthful desires and pursue these things. Pursue righteousness. Pursue faith. Pursue love. Pursue peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Let me, let me uh, share something with you that I think is, is a sideline that goes along with this text. Uh, how many of you know that uh, bad company corrupts good morals? It's a Bible verse. I didn't just make that up. Bad company corrupts good morals. But the converse is not equally true. If you hang around with good people, that doesn't necessarily mean you're good. You might be hanging around with good people. But it doesn't mean you're righteous. You've got to pursue righteousness. What, what, what am I saying? Righteousness only comes from Jesus. Righteousness only comes by faith. Righteousness only comes not because of your address, but because of your heart that you've chosen to put your trust in him. Faith righteousness is a personal decision, and it cannot be gained because you're running with the right crowd. And a lot of times we miss that. Oh, I'm hanging with the right crowd, so, uh, so the good, good stuff's going to happen to me. Not necessarily. You, you know, God doesn't, just like God doesn't have any grandchildren, he doesn't have any friends of a friend. You've got to be God's friend. You've got to reach out to him yourself. You've got to trust in him. Pursue righteousness. Pursue faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on a pure heart. Verse 23. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. Just, okay, all right, all right, because it's the word. You never, you never say that when I have a good quote. It's because you love the word, I love that. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know that they produce quarrels. If I'm a quarrelsome individual, I'll get a reputation. Don't bring that up around that person because, and then people have to be, uh, they have to be careful what they say around you, right? There's, a, there's not the openness that's there. And, and, you know, sometimes, sometimes, you know, just because something could be said, just because you have an opinion, What's it going to do? Sometimes, sometimes we're adding fuel to the fire, right? Uh, here's, here's one of the lessons that I had to pick up along the way. Um, whatever I do, I make it my goal to build people up. The biblical word is edification. I want to edify them. I want to build them up. And so, it, so my opinion is just my opinion, and everybody has an opinion, right? But but when I can go deeper than that opinion and I can go to chapter and verse or I can go to, you know what, this person, I can, I can sense right now, this person needs some encouragement right now. Most important thing uh, for me to do is minister that encouragement to them. Isaiah said, the sovereign Lord has given me an instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. Sometimes my opinion is not the word that sustains the weary. Sometimes my opinion is just wearisome. But if I can find the way to edify, if I can find the way to build them up, guess what? They'll come back looking for that later. 
because that's rare in our world. There aren't too many people that just stand up for others and build others up and minister to others. Why? Because they're busy sharing their own opinion. And here's another thing that I've learned. People don't connect with you when you talk. They connect when they talk. So if every conversation I get into I have to monopolize, guess what? I've just pared down my number of friends. You know, and so this is, you would think this is like social etiquette, right? But if the person is a and they just hang on to it, whoops, I, am I, how's my battery? Or is that just, okay. <clears throat> Demonic interference. Um, <laughs> they're just, they're just, you know, they take the ball and they hold it and they don't pass it back, right? So, so, uh, you know, certain things that we can do in our relationships will help them uh, move forward. And here's what he says in verse 24. And the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone that's like him. Now, everyone. Able to teach and not resentful. Not resentful. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Now, in your notes, offense happens in two times in our lives. Number one, whenever we have been wronged. Number two, whenever we feel we've been wronged. I find that if I stop and, and do a mental check, I've felt that I've been wronged dozens of times, hundreds of times more than I've actually been wronged, you know. But, but the, the trap of offense is still set in that moment, the moment I feel I've been wronged. It, it's, it's ready to spring. It's ready to grab a hold of me. And all I have to do is... Say a few words. All I have to do is bite. All I have to do is why. And as soon as you say why, you're about to step into that trap. You're, you're about to put yourself in a position that you don't want to be in. This whole issue of offense. So a uh, number of years ago, a number of years ago, um, <clears throat> I had been uh, working my my. Uh, uh, carpet business, floor covering business for a number of years, and we were working part-time uh, at the church. We had 150 kids, 12 years and under. Um, the, the nursery was busting out at the time. One year, we had 32 babies born into the nursery. That was crazy, crazy. And, uh, and, and so God was blessing. We had numbers of kids baptized in the Holy Spirit, numbers of kids born again, numbers of kids that are in ministry today that were in our kids' church back then. And God was doing some amazing things. And it, it had to be God because I had not a clue what I was doing. True story. My wife was the one that said, hey, we should go over here and do kids' ministry. Okay, honey. And, and God just blessed it, and, and it was amazing. And at one point, uh, just probably about four years in, uh, that uh, Pastor Scott chose to uh, bring in a full-time youth pastor. And, uh, and at that moment, as soon as I heard that, I was like, what is he doing? We've been working over here. Can't he see what we're doing? All these things began to calculate in my mind. Uh, all the reasons why I should have been brought on full-time before this new youth pastor wet behind the ears, green as a gourd, you know, coming from right from Bible college. I've been out of Bible college all that. I had it all going on, man. I had my list. 
And you know what I discovered after about three or four days of stewing on this? God got kind of quiet. He was just letting me have my pity party. He wouldn't join it. He wouldn't pat me on the back. He wouldn't say, it's going to be okay, son. He wasn't sitting around my little pity party having sweet tea with me. No way. He was just quiet. After a while, I got tired of talking. And he said these words to me. If you don't love him, the individual coming in, if you don't love him, you're going to hate him. And if you hate him, I can't use you. Okay. After I rocked back on my heels for a minute, I said, okay, what do I need to do to love him? Well, what? What does he need? Go find a need and meet it. And so I picked up the phone, and I called Stan Grant, and I said, hey, Pastor Stan, welcome to Lighthouse. Didn't feel it, but I said it. Welcome to Lighthouse. Is there anything you need? I'm hoping to get off easy. I'm hoping he'll just like, nah, we got it. Instead, he says, well, I really need a place to stay. You know, Angie and I haven't gotten married yet and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, ah. The landlord's got a, a place open right behind my place. I'll check with him. Sure enough, it worked out. They ended up moving in there. I got to look at this guy every day now. You know, I mean, it's all, and, and you know, what happened over the next five years, though, is Stan Grant, Angie Grant, we became really good friends. And, uh, and so it's amazing how when you just do the thing the Lord wants you to do. I mean, I was ready to write my resignation. I was, I was ticked. I was offended that Pastor Scott didn't see the world through my lens. How dare he? Right? And, and so, but instead, the Lord had this, this love word. Go do this. And, you know, and, and, but, the, but the trap was there. I recognized the trap. Now, let me break down to, to, for you this word picture. And this is, this is actually found in, in John Bevere's book, The Bait of Satan. Uh, so if, if you've ever read The Bait of Satan or been to it and overcomers getting ready to walk through it. Uh, so this is, a, this is a great illustration. You'll understand this. The, the, uh, the word offense, the word picture for the word offense is the part of the trap that's right in the middle that springs the trap. It's when a trap is set, there's tension that's placed on that trap. And when, when that, uh, that little pin goes in right on top of where the bait goes or, or whatever it is they're trying to compress, that part right there, that's the bait. And when you step on that, as soon as you step on that, the trap is sprung. The, the offense happens to be what springs the trap in your life and mine. We become entrapped by a decision. We become entrapped by, uh, by, I feel wrong. Somebody didn't see me. Somebody didn't talk to me. Somebody didn't do what they should have done. I got passed over for the promotion. Whatever it is, that thing in that moment causes you to be entrapped. And did you read what the text said there? This is scary to me. This is scary because it says it's actually possible. He's talking to believers, and he said, he said that, that uh, uh, they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to what? Do his will. 
The devil has an army that he's raising up to do his will. You know who they are? Christians who have been offended. We used to teach the song to the kids, I'm in the Lord's army. But the devil's got an army. And how does he get them? He gets them offended. He gets them offended at one another. They get offended. They get offended at their spouse. They get offended at their kids. Somebody didn't do what they were supposed to do. Somebody did, uh, didn't do what they were uh, supposed to do. Somebody did what they shouldn't have done. Whatever it is, they get offended. They get entrapped. And it doesn't take long for you to hear from them. It doesn't take long for you to discover that, uh, well, how do you know if somebody is entrapped? Just listen for five minutes. They will tell you. They will tell you what happened. They, they will, and they'll tell it, and you know what? And, and you can probably justify it. You can probably listen to them and then take notes and say, yeah, you're right. You, oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. That, that's not the point, though, right? That's not the point. A number of years ago, I was minding my own business in aisle five at Walmart. <laughs> and I saw this couple come up, and I recognized them. I'd seen them around a little bit. And, uh, and she was something that was a little bit off in her face that day, I could tell. You know, and it uh, wasn't the usual jovial self. And she came up and she began to talk to me. And aisle five in Walmart began to tell me how she'd found out that her husband had been sleeping around, not with one, not with two, but with multiple women. And he's standing there right next to her. And, and she is fired up. I mean, she's like not keeping her voice down. And I can't believe that all these years together and our kids and ba 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 and she's just going, man. She's just going. I'm sure you could hear her on aisle six and aisle four. She's just going. And, and I'm just minding my own business, wanting to buy some, some cereal. And all of a sudden, this offense, you know what, you know what happened? You know, she, she, her, she was snared. Now, I'm not saying that he was right and she was wrong. I'm not saying what he did was in any stretch of the imagination proper. But what I am saying is she had been ensnared. She had been entrapped. And she could not get and so what she did was she did what any wild animal would do when it gets caught and just screamed and she screamed and she screamed and she screamed and she forgot about the good things that God had done in her life and she forgot about these wonderful kids and she forgot about everything else that God had done because she was entrapped. She was ensnared by this offense. Are you with me? You tracking with me? You've got to guard yourself against offense. Let me tell you what didn't happen. You know, let, me, let me tell you uh, who the losers are. This isn't hard to figure out. Her husband's the loser. In more ways than one, I might add. Husband's the loser, she's the loser, her kids are the losers. Let me tell you who's in the picture that you don't see, the lost. Couple with a testimony, couple with, that, that had a godly heritage, couple that raised their kids in church. But she didn't have anything to say about Jesus that day. The only thing she could say that day 
was all of the offense that was going on in her life, all of the terrible things, all of the things that had happened that he had done against her. She could not get on the other side of that, and the lost, if they'd heard it, would say, I don't want anything to do with that mess. Offense causes churches to split. I made a decision a number of years ago uh, to make a change in leadership in our child care. And we lost three families over it. They were offended. I could have been offended at them. What? Can't do my job? I got voted in at 96% as senior pastor. And a year later, 150 people left. I could have been offended. Maybe they were offended. I don't know. They didn't ask. I thought we loved one another. Where'd y'all go? You voted me in. What's that about? Offense. It's impossible that offense won't come. It's impossible. It's going to be there. You just have to choose whether or not you're going to step in it and whether or not you're going to be ensnared by it. That's your choice. That's your choice. And I want you to be equipped. I want you to be, I want you to recognize that whenever that thing comes around, whenever that uh, feel sorry for yourself part of you starts to stir, well, they should have. Well, how come they didn't? Mm, put, the, put the lip out there. Look out. It's about to happen. It's about to happen. The, the thing about a, an animal that gets ensnared is that it can't get to food. And it can't get to water. And so when that thing's ensnared, if nothing else happens, uh, if infection doesn't take it out, what's going to happen? It's just going to die of starvation. It's just going to die. It's, it's ensnared. The, the problem is when we get offended, we, we can't take in the life-giving nutrients from the Word of God. We'll sit in church and, and we'll listen to a message and we'll say, yeah, get them, pastor. Somebody should have been here to hear that word today. Man, where were they? Where was so-and-so? They needed to be sitting right here next to them. If they'd have heard it, man, God, God got them good today. Woo! And we don't take in that life-giving truth as if that word was for everybody else but us. Right? When offense starts to happen on the inside of us, we don't take in from the Lord. That's where your strength comes from. That's where your joy comes from. That's where your restoration comes from. But if you've been ensnared, you've been offended, you can't get to that. I want you to know Jesus wants to set you free today. He wants you to be free from offense. You may have to do something like I had to do with Pastor Stan. You may have to find a way to love him. You may have to do a little creative writing assignment. Here's your creative writing assignment. Here's how you start out. Write down everything that you want to have happen in your life over the next five years. Write down how much money you want to make, the bonuses you want to see. Write down the relationship that you want to see between you and your spouse and your kids. Write down everything that you can think of. And then put their name at the top of the list. And say, Lord, for this person, I pray all these blessings. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Bless your neighbor as you bless yourself. And you begin to do that. 
And you know what will happen? Your heart will begin to shift. You'll begin to, you have a harder time cursing somebody while you got blessing in your mouth. You know what I'm saying? You, you, will, you will start to move out of that entrapment mode because you're just blessing them. You're just blessing them. You're just blessing them. Every time they come to your mind, you just bless them. So it starts with an act of forgiveness that comes from your will, not from your emotions. I choose to forgive this day. I choose to forgive this person, whether they are alive or whether they're dead. Some of you, your parents offended you, and then they had the audacity to die. And you can't make it right. Some of you, it's been a, uh, it's been a church situation. Somebody offended you. Let me tell you, you know what? It's people that get offended. It's not churches that offend. People offend people. Do churches do it all right? No, because they're made of imperfect individuals. It's no excuse the church offended me. It's no excuse. Sometimes fast food employees offend me. You know what I'm saying? Hey, y'all. Who put the fast and fast food here? You know, I mean, come on. That in the world, in the world, you will have offense. You get to choose what you do with it or not. And if you want to stay free, you've got to walk in forgiveness, right? Let's stand this morning. Let's stand this morning. Bow your heads with me all across this place. Say this with me, Lord Jesus, as an act of my will. I forgive anyone, everyone, alive or dead, who has ever offended me. Whether they knew it or not, I took offense. I release them now in the name of Jesus, by the power of the blood of Jesus, by the power of the empty tomb. I am free today to walk in forgiveness because of what you've done for me. I receive it now in the name of Jesus, I pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for releasing us, Father. Thank you that we will only and always do your will stay free. It is for freedom that Christ has made us free. Father, I just pray right now for fruitfulness in areas that have been barren. I pray for joy to return. I pray, Lord God, that your strength would begin to flow into us because your word says the joy of the Lord is our strength. We receive that today in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. You can be seated right where you're at. We have some folks from the ELT that are going to come right now. Pastor Appreciation Sunday, and we are.
are the executive leadership team, and we are here to uh, honor our pastors. Uh, we're going to take up a love offering so that we can show our appreciation, but also there's uh, cards out on the table in the foyer, and I promise you they would love to have a personal thank you note of, uh, from you. Or they will be more than welcome. Uh, let's do the offering. Where the ushers? Come on, let's get started with that. Come on up and uh, we'll get started. There are a lot of new faces in the congregation. And go ahead, get started. And uh, we would like to introduce the executive leadership team to you. Um, we have uh, myself, Jim Johnson, and this is my wife. Linda and Lucy and Paul Cole and it great, gives me a great deal of pleasure now to introduce the most recent members of our team John and Molly Thomas Thank you. we have uh, we have two team couples uh, Donna and Mike Mills you remember last week they introduced the Pastor Appreciation Sunday and then uh, Ed and Rosalie Devlin we're representing the ELT team at the 8 o'clock service this morning. Um, now, if we can have the pastors come up. Where are they? Where are they? Yeah. I guess I guess we ought to. Yeah, let's, let's have them up here. Come on up. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to turn my back on you so I can read this. I want to get their, their proper titles. Um, yeah, we have uh, our lead pastors, Ken and Holly Kramer, are here. And our associate pastor, Daniel McKee, and his wife, Jennifer. Did I say Jennifer? I meant to say Jennifer. It's her fault for having a hard name like that. <laughs> uh, and our executive pastor, Bernie Jalot IV. And our kids pastor, minister, Pastor Sarah Jalot. And uh, the executive uh, leadership team wants to honor them also, but I'll start by saying uh, that it was a privilege to watch God on the, using Dr. Ken Kramer as a leader to build this team. Uh, I've also had the pleasure of watching them grow in Christ and the Lord and also in their commitment to this church. In congregation, I can promise you, we are blessed to have a team of prayer warriors yeah. to lead us. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't get any better than that. I just want to say a few words that actually the Lord placed on my heart, and it begins with 
the number of times that I've been here and interacted with any one of these pastors or left uh, the executive leadership meeting, I'm walking out to the car, and it occurs in my mind, if the people at Lighthouse had any idea how much these pastors care for you, you would be amazed. We get to see it. You don't get to see it. And so that's part of what I want to share a little bit of uh, this morning so that you can get a glimpse of what we get to see. And uh, one of the um, ways that uh, I, w I was actually given from the Lord what I needed to say today was something that he revealed to me that I wasn't even aware of until I was shopping for a pastor appreciation card for y'all, Lighthouse, to give to the pastors. And when I went in there and I picked up this card and I read it and I thought, oh, this is perfect. And when I went in, I thought, well, you know, I may have to get a different card for the different pastors, you know, to reflect. And that's what I want to read to you today because this card is exactly each couple that we have as pastors. And it's just amazing. It says, for a wonderful pastor and wife, the Lord has made you such great partners in his service, combining each of your unique gifts to form a strong and vital ministry. Thank you for all that you do individually and together to share his love and spread the good news. And at that very moment, when I thought of it, I thought, oh, that's perfect. That's, but no, I've got to look at it again. <laughs> i got to have it to recall. Don't help, uh, don't help. <laughs> uh, anyhow, um, and when I did that, it's like I saw Pastor Ken, Pastor Holly, I saw Pastor Daniel and Jennifer, and I saw Pastor um, Bernie and Pastor Sarah, and it was like, this is perfect. And, and I realized at that moment that when I interact with them, whether I'm with both of them or not, I think of them as one, you know, and I might be talking to Pastor Ken, but what I realized when I, the more I thought about it and what the Lord showed me is we have pastors that have couples that have the same strengths. Pastor Ken and Pastor Holly have such strengths in leadership and guidance. You can't find that any stronger anywhere else. And, and they set for Lighthouse and Little Lights a standard of excellence. And they guide us in a way that um, whether I'm talking to them together or uh, individually, I can have such confidence in their guidance because they both think the same. They both have the same standards. And I am so proud of the leadership that Pastor Ken has offered for Lighthouse. I mean, he is constantly thinking in advance of where he wants us to be. And for uh, Pastor Holly and what she's done at Little Lights and her leadership and her excellence, it's not just 
known in the church. It's known in the community, and it's something that is just really remarkable. And then I think of Pastor Daniel and Jennifer, and I think their strengths are so strong in evangelism and worship. And right now, you don't really see them that much because Pastor um, Daniel's heart is to preach. And I know he would like to be preaching right now, but he is going to school. And it's not his favorite thing to do. Do you think he's going to school? <laughs> do you think he's going to school because that's what he wants to do? No, he wants to serve the Lord, right? <laughs> he wants to serve the Lord. <laughs> and then, and so he's busy studying in addition to doing his, his work here. But even more that you don't see that's going on is Jennifer and her heart. See, you don't see these as much as you see Pastor Ken and Pastor Bernie and Pastor Sarah at this particular time. But God is using them. And Jennifer's heart for, um, uh, for the women and the worship. A couple of years ago, she just made a comment. She said, you know, God's just laid it on my heart that we would have a gathering for women to worship. Now we've had two. She worships. And ladies, is it not? And besides her getting that all to happen behind the scenes we have all these she worships t-shirts and things that she's done she's given her time and any profit has gone to the women's ministry she is not reaping any of this she is serving and serving and serving and I'm, and see it's their same attitude it's one they will operate that way and then last but not least <laughs> Pastor Bernie and Pastor Sarah. And uh, their strengths are so strong in both of them, but organization, worship, detail, uh, I mean, anything you need them for, they're capable of doing. And they don't just kind of do it. They do it with excellence. You know, it's just every single thing. <laughs> And um, until, um, uh, I have to grin about this because when I was thinking about the worship, until Pastor Sarah became Pastor Sarah for the children's ministry, uh, you never know uh, on worship, uh, during worship on Sunday, she may be over at the keyboard, she may be sitting down with the guitar, she may be singing. I mean, just, they just fit right in, yeah, or all of it. But, and then, um, but in all these strengths, that they have, to me, every one of those strengths that I mentioned about the organization and the worship and the detail, all of it is just covered with such love for people. It doesn't matter if they're talking to an individual or if they're talking to a group, you can feel how much they love people. And Pastor Bernie, I mean, he, who beats him with remembering names? I don't think there's a person alive. <laughs> but, and, and, and when you sum it all up, actually, they don't stand alone. We aren't looking at three groups of pastors. 
we're looking at three groups of pastors that work together as a team in such a way that there is just nothing any better than what we have here. And their hearts are the same. No, none of these pastors are out about their name. They're about his name. So what could I add? How many enjoyed that message today? Awesome, wasn't it? Just awesome. Pastor, it's been years we walked this road, amen? And I've shared with you many a time, it amazes me what God has instilled in you. And it just proves true as you share the word with us. And it proves true as those that you brought around you to build this team. You folks are awesome. And it's a great team. I just can't add any more. Miss Linda said, share a word that God gives you. And it's the same word, Linda. God shared with me integrity and excellence. Miss Holly, how many times did we talk about the success of Little Lights is because it's done in excellence. Worship, ministry, in excellence, concerned about that. Integrity is instilled in you. In our beginning with Jesus, it's something God does to us. He develops integrity. I thought about it when God gave me the word. I grew up on Long Island Sound did a lot of fishing, lived on a boat the summertime in the beach. You had a trust in a compass. God gives you that integrity. is his compass to keep you moving toward Jesus. I don't know what else I could add, but thank you all. Thank you for all that you do. It's greatly appreciated. I'm going to stay very brief because I don't like public speaking. Anybody who knows me knows that. But I uh, just want to share our perspective from when we came a few years ago. Um, we walked in, found um, rock-solid, scripturally founded teaching and preaching, and that was extremely appreciated. We found anointed worship um, and blessed our hearts that way. Um, but what we also found was... Uh, a local church body that uh, was in each other's lives in a, a sense of community with one another that we had not experienced anywhere before. Um, and we've, we've noticed it, I think, every single Sunday when we leave here. Um, you will notice in the parking lot, you'll notice in the lobby, you'll notice in, out here in the, in, in the uh, sanctuary. Everywhere you go, everybody is jumping to get in each other's lives and to minister to one another. And that is the healthiest uh, local body we've ever seen in that regard and I think we think that the personality and the the temperament of the local body flows from leadership and you will not find that we've seen anyway 
a stronger group of people in Pastor Bernie and Sarah, Pastor Ken and Holly, Pastor Daniel and Jennifer, that will are not afraid to get in the trenches with you. They will get down in there. They will do the same thing you guys are doing, ministering to one another, serving one another, and they're not afraid to get their hands dirty. Um, and I think that's a, a tremendous testament to them and a tremendous testament to this local body. Case in point, I'll just bring up one example. I can't do it for everybody, but Pastor Bernie will be up here worshiping. Um, tremendous vocals, tremendous uh, you know, musicianship. And then a half hour later, he will be in the parking lot with his arm in a drainage ditch up to his shoulder trying to clear out you know, debris out of that pipe and stuff. Never says a thing, just gets in there and gets, gets dirty. And he will do that, and they will all do that. They will get in your life and let God get in your life. And to me, that is the biggest anointing that flows from, the, from, from them down to us. And you see it with everybody here, um, not afraid to get in each other's lives. And that is the most refreshing thing. That's what the body is supposed to be. And I think everybody in this room has somebody that's either trying to get in your life and help you with it, get in the trenches with you, um, or you're being that person for somebody else. And to me, that is a testament to the entire, to the entire body. Um, I'll share something real quick that uh, I, I saw, sensed a few weeks ago, the Lord kind of showed me, and it, I'd seen this documentary, this picture of, a, of a, a well, I think it was up in Jamestown, and you saw this schematic of where it was, um, they had a cross section of it. And I think what was typical with old water wells um, back in the day, when they got old and didn't produce anymore, they would fill them up with refuse and trash and junk, and they would always find these wells, and they could age the society and stuff and get information about what they found in the wells. And when I saw that, um, I, f I forget which day it was that we were here, but I sensed that as much as this body is a well in this community, that the Lord was sensing, was saying to me, not this one. We're not going to close this one up and we're not going to fill it in. This well is going to, if anything, be redug and it's going to continue to spring forth water. And I see that for this body and for this community. So that's what we're part of here. And it flows from the top all the way down to the bottom. And, uh, so we're just thankful to be here and be a part of this team and to be sitting under this leadership. So we're just going to pray real quick over this leadership. Father, we thank you as a body. Father, we come before you, Lord God. We thank you that the leaders that you've put upon, uh, in front above us, Father, here, we thank you that they are worthy and, and honorable for the calling, Lord God. Father, in Ephesians 4, you said that you've given leaders and pastors and teachers to equip the saints for service, Father God. And I, I can't think of better examples than these servant leaders that we have here, Father. So we ask you to bless them with clear vision, Father, with open ears for the things that you're going to do in this body and in this house, Lord God, that it will be a healthy body, but it will also reach out and be a healthy community as a result of the things that are happening here, Father God. We just ask for uh, an anointing, a blessing, a protection on this entire leadership team, Father God, yeah. that, they would, that they would sense the calling and the vision and the uh, clear direction to take this body in, Father, Amen. and help us to line up under it, Father. Help us to all become one uh, body, one uh, voice, and one accord in the name of Jesus, Amen. Father. Amen. Praise God. 
Let's be dismissed today. Father, thank you for your presence that abides with us. Thank you, Lord, for uh, challenging our hearts. Lord, thank you for the, the honor that we as leaders sense here in this room because of what you have done, God. Lord, thine is the kingdom. Thine is the glory. Thine is the power forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day. If you're a guest with us, stop by Inside Lighthouse. We just like to practice.